Welcome to Volume 10 of Sky Island. Chapter 24, The Amazing Conquest of the Blues. The shouting and excitement in the city following upon the recapture of Captain Bill aroused the sleeping Boolaroo. He found the cord still tied to his big toe and at first imagined his prisoner was safe in the dressing room. While he put on his clothes, the king occasionally gave the cord a sudden pull, hoping to hurt Captain Bill's big toe and make him yell. But as no response came to this mean action, the Boolaroo finally looked into the room, only to find he had been pulling on the leg of a couch, and that his prisoner had escaped. Then he flew into a mighty rage, and running out into the hall, he aimed a blow at the unfaithful guard, knocking the fellow off his feet. Then he rushed down the stairs into the courtyard, shouting loudly for his soldiers and threatening to patch everyone in his domain if the sailor man was not recaptured. While the Boolaroo stormed and raged, a band of soldiers and citizens came marching in, surrounding Captain Bill, who was again firmly bound. So ho! roared the monarch. You thought you could defy me, Earthclaw, did you? But you were mistaken. No one can resist the mighty Boolaroo the Blues. So it's folly for you to rebel against my commands. Hold him fast, my men, and as soon as I've got my coffee and oatmeal, I'll take him to the room with a great knife and patch him. I wouldn't mind a cup of coffee myself, said Captain Bill. I've had considerable exercise this morning, and I'm all ready for breakfast. Very well, replied the Boolaroo. You shall eat with me for then I can keep an eye on you. My guards are not to be trusted, and I don't mean to let you out of my sight again until you're patched. So Captain Bill and the Boolaroo had breakfast together, six blueskins standing in a row in back of the sailor man to grab him if he attempted to escape. But Captain Bill made no such attempt, knowing it would be useless. Trot was in the room too, standing in a corner and listening to all that was said while she racked her little brain for any idea that would enable her to save Captain Bill from being patched. No one could see her, so no one, not even Captain Bill, knew she was there. After breakfast was over, a procession was formed, headed by the Boolaroo, and they marched the prisoner through the palace until they came to the room of the great knife. Invisible Trot followed soberly after them, still wondering what she could do to save her friend. As soon as they entered the room of the great knife, the Boolaroo gave a yell of disappointment. What's become of Tiggle? he shouted. Where's Tiggle? Who released Tiggle? Go at once, you dummies, and find him, or it'll go hard with you. The frightened soldiers hurried away to find Tiggle, and Trot was well pleased because she knew Tiggle was by this time safely hidden. The Boolaroo stamped up and down the room, muttering threats and declaring Captain Bill should be patched whether Tiggle was found or not, and while they waited, Trot took time to make an inspection of the place, which she now saw for the first time in broad daylight. The room of the great knife was high and big, and around it ran rows of benches for the spectators to sit upon. In one place, at the head of the room, was a raised platform for the royal family, with elegant throne chairs for the king and queen, and six smaller but richly upholstered chairs for the snub-nosed princesses. The poor queen, by the way, 
was seldom seen, as she passed all her time playing solitaire with a deck that was one card short, hoping that before she had lived her entire six hundred years, she would win the game. Therefore, Her Majesty paid no attention to anyone, and no one paid any attention to her. In the center of the room stood the terrible knife that gave the place its name, a name dreaded by every inhabitant of the Blue City. The knife was built into a huge framework, like a derrick that reached to the ceiling, and it was so arranged that when the Boolaroo pulled a cord, the great blade would drop down in its frame and neatly cut in two the person who stood under it. And in order that the slicing would be accurate, there was another frame in which the prisoner was tied so he couldn't wiggle one way or the other. This frame was on rollers so that it could be placed directly underneath the knife. While Trot was observing this dreadful machine, the door opened and in walked the six snub-nosed princesses, all in a row, with their chins up as if they disdained everyone but themselves. They were magnificently dressed, and their blue hair was carefully arranged in huge towers upon their heads, with blue plumes stuck into the tops. These plumes waved gracefully in the air with every mincing step the princesses took. Rich jewels of blue stone glittered upon their persons, and the royal ladies were fully as gorgeous as they were haughty and overbearing. They marched to their chairs and seated themselves to enjoy the cruel scene their father was about to enact, and Cap'n Bill bowed to them politely and said, Morning, gals. Hope you feel as well as you look. Papa, exclaimed Turquoise angrily, can't you prevent this vile earth being from addressing us? It's an insult to be spoken to by one about to be patched. Control yourselves, my dears, replied the Boolaroo. The worst punishment I know how to inflict on anyone. This prisoner is about to suffer. You'll see a very pretty patching, my royal daughters. When? inquired Cobalt. When? As soon as the soldiers return with Tiggle, he said. But just then, in came the soldiers to say that Tiggle could not be found anywhere in the city. He had disappeared as mysteriously as had Gip Gizizzle. Immediately the Boolaroo flew into another towering rage. "'Villains!' he shouted. "'Go out and arrest the first living thing you meet, "'and whoever it proves to be "'will be instantly patched to Captain Bill.' "'The captain of the guards hesitated to obey this order. "'Suppose it's a friend,' he suggested. "'Friend?' roared the Boolaroo. "'I haven't a friend in the country. "'Tell me, sir, do you know of anyone who's my friend?' "'The captain shook his head. I can't think of anyone just now, your spry and flighty high and mighty majesty, he answered. Of course not, said the Boolaroo. Everyone hates me, and I don't object to that because I hate everybody. But I'm the ruler here, and I'll do as I please. Go and capture the first living creature you see, and bring him here to be patched to Cap'n Bill. So the captain took a file of soldiers and went away very sorrowfully for he did not know who would be the victim, and if the Boolaroo had no friends, the captain had plenty, and did not wish to see them patched. Meanwhile, Trot, being invisible to all, was roaming around the room, and behind a bench she found a small coil of rope, which she picked up. Then she seated herself in an out-of-the-way place, and quietly waited. 
Suddenly there was a noise in the corridor and evidence of scuffling and struggling. Then the door flew open and in came the soldiers, dragging a great blue billy goat, which was desperately striving to get free. Villains! howled the Boolaroo. What does this mean? You, you said to fetch the first living creature we met, and that was this billy goat, replied the captain, panting hard as he held fast to one of the goat's horns. The Boolaroo stared a moment, then he fell back in his throne, laughing boisterously. The idea of patching Captain Bill to a goat was vastly amusing to him, and the more he thought of it, the more he roared with laughter. Some of the soldiers laughed, too, being tickled with the absurd notion, and the six snub-nosed princesses all sat up straight and permitted themselves to smile contemptuously. This would indeed be a severe punishment. Therefore the princesses were pleased at the thought of Cap'n Bill becoming half a billy goat and the billy goat becoming half Cap'n Bill. They kind of look alike, you know, suggested the captain of the guards, looking from one to the other doubtfully. And they're nearly the same size if you stand the goat on its hind legs. They've both got the same style of whiskers, and both of them are obstinate and dangerous, so they ought to make a good patch. Splendid! Fine! Glorious! cried the Boolaroo, wiping the tears of merriment from his eyes. We'll proceed with the ceremony of patching at once. Captain Bill regarded the billy goat with distinct disfavor and the billy goat glared evilly upon Cap'n Bill. Trot was horrified and wrung her little hands in sore perplexity, for this was a most horrible fate that awaited her dear old friend. First, bind the Earthman in the frame, commanded the Boolaroo. We'll slice him in two before we do the same to the billy goat. So they seized Cap'n Bill and tied him into the frame so that he couldn't move a jot in any direction. Then they rolled the frame underneath the great knife and handed the Boolaroo the cord that released the blade. But while this was going on, Trot had crept up and fastened one end of her rope to the frame in which Cap'n Bill was confined. Then she pulled back and watched the Boolaroo, and just as he pulled the cord, she pulled on her rope and dragged the frame on its rollers away so that the great knife fell with a crash and sliced nothing but air. What? exclaimed the Boolaroo. That's queer. Roll him up again, soldiers. The soldiers again rolled the frame into position, having first pulled the great knife once more to the top of the derrick. The immense blade was so heavy that it took the strength of seven blueskins to raise it. When all was in readiness, the king pulled the cord a second time, and Trot, at the same instant, pulled upon her rope, and the same thing happened again. Cap'n Bill rolled away in his frame, and the knife fell harmlessly. Now indeed the Boolaroo was as angry as he was amazed. He jumped down from the platform and commanded the soldiers to raise the great knife into position. When this had been accomplished, the Boolaroo leaned over to try to discover why the frame rolled away, seemingly of its own accord. And he was more puzzled because it had never done such a thing before. As he stood, bent nearly double, his back was toward the billy goat, which, in their interest and excitement, the soldiers were holding in a rather careless manner. At once the goat gave a leap, escaped from the soldiers, and with bowed head rushed upon the Boolaroo. Before anyone could stop him, 
he butted his majesty so furiously that the king soared far into the air and tumbled in a heap among the benches where he lay moaning and groaning. The goat's warlike spirit was roused by this successful attack. Finding himself free, he turned and assaulted the soldiers, butting them so fiercely that they tumbled down in bunches, and as soon as they could rise again, ran frantically from the room and along the corridors as if a fiend was after them. By this time the goat was so animated by the spirit of conquest that he rushed at the six snub-nosed princesses who had all climbed upon their chairs and were screaming in a panic of fear. Six times the goat butted, and each time he tipped over a chair and sent a haughty princess groveling upon the floor, where the ladies got mixed up in their long blue trains and flounces and laces, and struggled wildly until they recovered their footing. Then they sped in great haste for the door, and the goat gave a final butt that sent the row of royal ladies all diving into the corridor in another tangle whereupon they shrieked in a manner that terrified everyone within the sound of their voices. As the room of the great knife was now cleared of all but Captain Bill, who was tied to his frame, of Trot, the moaning Boolaroo who lay hidden beneath the benches, and the goat who gave a victorious bleat and stood in the doorway to face any enemy that might appear. Trot had been as surprised as anyone at this sudden change of conditions but she was quick to take advantage of opportunities it afforded. First, she ran with her rope to the goat, and, as the animal could not see her, she easily succeeded in tying the rope around its horns and fastening the loose end to a pillar of the doorway. Next, she hurried to Captain Bill and began to unbind him, and as she touched the sailor she became visible. He nodded cheerfully, then, and said, I had a notion it was you, mate, as saved me from the knife. But it was a pretty close call, and I hope it won't happen again. I couldn't shiver much being bound so tightly, but when I'm loose I mean to have just one good shiver to relieve me feelings. Shiver all you want to, Captain, she said as she removed the last bonds. But first, you've got to help me save us both. How was that? he asked, stepping from the frame. Come and get the Boolaroo, she said, going toward the benches. The sailor followed and pulled out the Boolaroo who, when he saw the terrible goat was captured and tied fast, quickly recovered his courage. Hi there, he cried. Where are my soldiers? What do you mean, prisoner, by daring to lay hands upon me? Let me go this minute, or, or I'll have you patched twice. Don't mind him, Captain, said Trot. But fetch him along to the frame. The Boolaroo looked around to see where the voice came from and Captain Bill grinned joyfully and caught up the king in both his strong arms, dragging the struggling monarch of the blues to the frame. Stop it! How dare you! roared the frightened Boolaroo. I'll have revenge! I'll! I'll! You'll take it easy, cause you can't help yourself, said Captain Bill. What's next, Queen Trot? Hold him steady in the frame and I'll tie him up. So Captain Bill held the Boolaroo, and the girl tied him fast into position, as Captain Bill had been tied, so that his majesty couldn't wiggle at all. Then they rolled the frame in position underneath the great knife, and Trot held in her hand the cord which would release it. All right, Captain, she said in a satisfied tone. 
I guess we can run this blue country ourselves after all. The Boolaroo was terrified to find himself in danger of being sliced by the same knife he had so often wickedly employed to slice others. Like Captain Bill, he had no room to shiver, but he groaned very dismally and was so full of fear that his blue hair stood nearly on end. Chapter 25 The Ruler of Sky Island the girl now took off Rosalie's ring and put it carefully away in her pocket. It won't matter who sees me now, she remarked. And I want him to, to know that you and me, Captain, are running this kingdom. I'm Queen of the Pinkies and Boolaroo S of the Blues and... What's that? asked the sailor. Your, your what, Trot? Boolaroo S. Isn't that right, Captain? I don't know, mate. It sounds bigger than you are and I don't like the word anyhow. Suppose you just call yourself the boss, and that fills the bill and don't need no pronouncing. All right, she said. Queen of the Pinkies and Boss of the Blues. Seems funny, don't it, Captain Bill? Just then they heard a sound of footsteps in the corridor. The soldiers had partly recovered their courage, and fearful of the anger of their dreaded Boolaroo, whom the princesses declared would punish them severely, had ventured to return to the room. They came rather haltingly, though, and the captain of the guards first put his head cautiously through the doorway to see if the coast was clear. The goat discovered him and tried to make a rush, but the rope held the animal back, and when the captain saw this, he came forward more boldly. Halt! cried Trot. The captain halted, his soldiers peering curiously over his shoulder, and the six snub-nosed princesses looking on from behind, where they considered themselves safe. If anybody dares to enter this room without my permission said Trot. I'll pull this cord and slice your master that was once the Boolaroo. Don't come in! Don't come in! yelled the Boolaroo in a terrified voice. Then they saw that the sailor was free and the Boolaroo was bound in his place. The soldiers were secretly glad to observe this, but the princesses were highly indignant. Release his majesty at once! cried Indigo from the corridor. You shall be severely punished for this rebellion. Don't worry, replied Trot. His Majesty isn't His Majesty any longer. He's just a common blueskin. Captain Bill and I propose running this island ourselves. You've all got to obey me, for I'm Boolaroo S. No, I mean the boss of the blues, and I've a notion to run things my own way. You can't, said Turquoise scornfully. The law says... Oh, bother with the law, exclaimed Trot. I'll make the laws myself from now on, and I'll unmake every law you've ever had before I conquered you. Oh, have you conquered us then? asked the captain of the guards in a surprised tone. Of course, said Trot. Can't you see that? It looks like it, admitted the captain. Captain Bill is going to be my general of the army and the royal manager of the blue country, continued Trot. So you'll mind what he says. Nonsense! shouted Indigo. March in and capture them now, Captain. Never mind if they do slice the Boolaroo. I'm his daughter and I'll rule the kingdom. No, you won't! screamed Cobalt. I'll rule it! No, no! I'll rule it myself! cried Cerulea. Uh-uh! yelled Turquoise. I'm going to be the ruler! That shall be my privilege! shouted Sapphire. Cobalt began to say, But I'm the... Oh, be quiet! said Trot sternly. Would you have your own father sliced just so you could rule in his place? 
Yes, yes, of course! Rejoined the six princesses without a second's hesitation. Well, well, what do you think of that, Mr. Boolaroo? Asked Captain Bill. They're undutiful daughters. Don't pay any attention to them, replied the frightened Boolaroo. Well, we're not going to, said Trot. Now you, Blue Captain, who are you and your soldiers going to obey, me or the snub-nosed ones? You, declared the captain of the guards positively, for he hated the princesses, as did all the blueskins. Then escort those girls to their rooms, lock them in, and put a guard before the door. At once the soldiers seized the princesses, and, notwithstanding their snarls and struggles, marched them to their rooms and locked them in. While they were gone on this errand, the Boolaroo begged to be released, whining and wailing for fear of the knife that would fall upon him. But Trot did not think it safe to unbind him just yet. When the soldiers returned, she told their leader to put a strong guard before the palace and to admit no one unless either she or Captain Bill gave the order to do so. The soldiers obeyed readily, and when Trot and Captain Bill were left alone, they turned the goat loose in the room of the great knife, and then locked the animal in with the Boolaroo. The billy goat is the very best guard we could have, for everybody's afraid of him, remarked Captain Bill as he put the key of the room in his pocket. So now, Queen Trot, what's next on the program? Next, said Trot, we're going to hunt for that umbrella, Captain. I don't mean to stay in this dismal blue country longer, even if I am queen. Let's find the umbrella and get home as soon as we can. That suits me just fine, the sailor joyfully exclaimed, and then the two began a careful search throughout the palace. They went into every room and looked behind the furniture and underneath the beds and in every crack and corner, but no place could they spy the magic umbrella. Captain Bill even ventured to enter the rooms of the six stub-nosed princesses, who were by this time so thoroughly alarmed that they had become meek and mild as could be, but the umbrella wasn't there either. Finally, they returned to the great throne room of the palace, where they seated themselves on the throne and tried to think what could possibly have become of the precious umbrella. While they were sitting and talking together, the captain of the guards entered and bowed respectfully. "'Beg pardon, your small-sized majesty,' he said to Trot. "'But it's my duty to report that the Pinkies are preparing to attack the city.' "'Oh, I'd forgotten about the Pinkies!' exclaimed the girl. "'Tell me, Captain, have you such a thing as a brass band in the city?' "'We have two fine bands, but they're not brass.' replied the captain. Their instruments are made of blue metal. Well, order them out, commanded Trot, and say, get all the soldiers together and tell all the people there's going to be a high time in the blue city tonight. We'll have music and dancing and eating and... And neckties to drink, Trot. Don't forget the royal neckties, urged Captain Bill. We'll have all the fun there is going, continued the girl, for we are to entertain the army of the Pinkies. The Pinkies, exclaimed the captain of the guards. But there are enemies, your short highness. Not any more, replied Trot. I'm queen of the Pinkies, and I'm also queen of the Blues, so I won't have my people quarreling. Tell the blue people we are to throw open the gates and welcome the Pinkies to the city, where everybody will join in a grand celebration. And just as soon as you've spread the news and got the bands tuned up and the soldiers ready to march, You'll let us know, and we'll head the procession. Your microscopic majesty shall be obeyed, 
said the captain, and went away to obey these commands.